We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about another Nets win tonight over the Hawks, 117-108. Jack, how are we feeling? In honor of Hughes Penn Badgley being in attendance, Nick, I'm going to give a, a mini summary of the game in Joe Har- in, in Joe's uh, narrative voice. Kevin Durant, you, your pull-up threes. Joe Harris knocking down all those perimeter shots. James Harden, dime after Dime after dime. Patty Mills. What more can I say? You. You Brooklyn Nets. Sponsored by Netflix. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jack giving a little American accent there, too. Kind of sneaking that in on the show. But, Jack, plenty to talk about on, on this one. But before we get started, as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, you want to start right from the rip? You know, we saw some good things to start this game. Yeah, there was just a, a real purpose to this game, Nick. You know, there was probably only a five-minute stretch throughout the um, – we've sort of been speaking about, you know, this 12 minutes here, this 24 minutes there. The Nets put out close to 48 tonight. I think yep. it was a 40 to 45-minute game um, where the Nets were just in control in, in so many different facets. And that's on both ends of the floor. I, I just thought that, you know, the Kevin Rand was hitting guy them everything. James Harden looked aggressive. He had like seven assists in the first quarter. Yep. Bruce Brown had uh, Trey Young in hell. And then when Bruce Brown was out of the, the game, Dondre Bembry had him in hell. So uh, I, I thought that the Nets just did a, had a really good game plan. Um, their defense is, is really improving. They seem to be forming an identity before our eyes. You know, we had our worries about, you know, they need to do things sooner rather than later. But their defense is feeding their offense. Now there's a bit of pace every now and then. Uh, and to be at five and three after eight games and looking the way that they do with improvements still on the margins and probably touching some Kyrie Irving news uh, later on as well. Things are looking positive against, you know, one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference as well. So probably the best win, best performance of the season, Nick. 
Yeah, I agree, Jack. Best performance, you know, best opponent in which they've beaten, you know, just a quality team in Atlanta who didn't play poorly. Obviously, they didn't shoot amazingly in this game, but it's not like they played bad. Like you mentioned, the physicality from the Nets defensively, I thought that was something very important, kind of taking advantage of a little bit of the new rules, even offensively, a couple drives. You saw James Harden kind of create the contact and play with that physicality, but also this this was like one of the first games that felt like the offense was like truly starting to click. You know what I mean? We were just seeing basketball we're used to seeing with James Harden out there on the floor. 34 assists, 48% from the field, 45% from three. You know, just a lot of quality play from the Nets in this game. Yeah, and I think the a lot of credit does go to James Harden. You know, in that first half, he barely scored, but he finished, I think, with a step back three. And then he started to just really drive. He yep. was just driving relentlessly and... Yes, some of those kick-out passes were to Blake Griffin and some of those threes were advised by him. But a couple of times they were to Joe Harris and a couple of times Blake made the extra pass to KD. A a lot of good things happen when James Harden drives the basketball. Um, And I think that that's him showing that he's got a bit more confidence in himself. You know, he was getting some nice switches onto some of the big men as well, but he really set the tone from there. And the three ball was on. All of his five made field goals were from three. He'd also got a... Uh, and Ann won on, on one of those step backs as well. So uh, that was really, really nice to see. And uh, I, yesterday listening to Bill Simmons sort of talk about and, and slander James Harden for not being in shape and not looking like himself and like he's lost a step. Give my guys some time, Bill. You know, worry about what's going on in Celtic land and Marcus Smart calling out some of your best players. But James Harden tonight, it's going to probably go underrated, Nick, because I think that the reason why the Nets had, you know, 34 assists and had such high efficiency from three and from the field was a lot on James Harden's shoulders. Yeah, Jack, you mentioned it right off the rip, though. It's like the penetration into the paint, getting into the paint, collapsing the defense, and now you're starting things. Even if it's a kickout pass to Blake Griffin, now Blake Griffin's attacking a closeout or someone's running towards him, and then the defense is kind of getting confused, and you're forcing guys to move. Guys are going to make mistakes, and then you get the open shots. So... Like you mentioned, I thought there was one play that stuck out of my head. James Harden got the kickout pass to Blake Gri- to Blake Griffin, and uh, DeAndre Hunter, instead of staying with Kevin Durant, ran over to Blake Griffin, and then KD got the wide open three. And it's just like in the moment, sometimes it's your habit to make that rotation, and just good things happen when you penetrate and move the basketball, and that's what the Nets are doing. And sometimes it's really simple, but there are also times where you saw some of the issues of having Blake out there and the defense not necessarily respecting him and that clogging the paint. But James Harden did a good job of kind of starting things off and getting the Nets in a positive momentum on the offensive end. Yeah, and you talk about, you know, just the offense, Nick, as well. 28 fast break points. Yeah. You know, the Nets just really got out. And, you know, whether it was Patty Mills out on the floor, you know, Kevin Durant, Bruce Brown, DeAndre Bembry, you know, playing with a bit of pace, getting easy buckets. You know, it's Paul Paul Millsap as well. It just seemed to me that there was a real aggression tonight and to, to, to force the Atlanta Hawks' hand and, I thought that they did a really, really good job in terms of the way they played on both ends of the floor and uh, couldn't speak highly enough about this performance. And, you know, it's a good win because there's a, a bit of a road trip happening now. The Nets are going to be away from home. Um, and good to see it in, in, a, in a really nice night in the debut of those new gorgeous New Jersey-inspired City Edition jerseys, which looked absolutely insane. The court looked flames. Jay-Z was there. David Beckham was goddamn there. Uh, it was just a superstar kind of night for the Brooklyn Nets, the Clays. 
Yeah, I mean, Jack, do you think the Nets turned up the energy because they had these great jerseys in court? It was like throwback. I mean, there was just a lot of good vibes with it. I'm like half joking, but at the same time, it's like, damn, like this is pretty cool stuff. I know for me personally, you know, being a Nets fan from New Jersey, like from the New Jersey days, it's just like cool to see it incorporated in Brooklyn and just it was very nostalgic. Even hearing Ian Eagle talk about it on the broadcast was just very cool moment for a lot of Nets fans tonight. Yeah, all the little details in the in the jersey as well, Nick. You know, the logo the, itself on the court is just gorgeous. It's it's and the logo on the on the shirts and the shorts and and all those different little things paying homage to you know the New Jersey Nets of old. Um, it's the Nets the Nets franchise is in a really is is that good a spot as they've ever been. I know you've been yep. following the team a, a much longer than I have, but uh, it was a great night and, and probably a, a win that we'll remember. You know, probably as one of the more memorable regular season wins. Uh, for uh, you know, probably a past couple of years, it's up there with you know the Phoenix Suns win for me. It just just everything was just going. The, the energy was there. Everyone was hyped. Nets Twitter was you know friend. It was in a frenzy for in a positive way. So um, I, I was loving it, Nick. You know, I've got a little bit of extra cash handy. Um, you know, if I'm not spending on T Public shirts on the Brooklyn Buzz Classics, um, then I'm going to be spending on a lot of new uh, City Edition inspired Nets stuff because. I need to get me some Joe Harris. I need to get me some Paul Mills. I need to get me some Paddy Mills. Basically, every single Brooklyn there on this roster, I need to get a jersey or T-shirt jersey or something because uh, the merch is goddamn flames. And it might be the only thing that was better than the way the Nets played tonight. Yeah, the merch is cooking for the Nets. Merch is cooking for the Brooklyn Buzz. But, Jack, just let like you said, this is a very memorable game because there's just a lot of highlight plays. Like, what about at the end of the third quarter where they called a play to get a three-point shot off? Like, what? Are we playing football right now? Like, it, that was just insane. And for it to actually work and have something drawn up for that, it was, like, really cool. And credit to Steve Nash or whoever on the coaching staff drew that up. It looked like it was Patty Bills. Like, I'm not – because obviously Patty was the one that got the handoff to, to Kevin Durant for the yep. pull-up, which was hype as hell. KD was hype after that. Um, I was certainly hope after that. I was yelling. Um, hopefully no noise complaints here down in, in Melbourne, Australia. But that play was, was awesome, Nick. And you can just tell that there's a building and budding chemistry with this team. You know, the rotations are starting to be solidified. Steve Nash has an understanding of, you know, how these guys work. He's sort of forcing things a little bit to try and get some guys into form, a la Blake Griffin, Javon Carter, uh, to an extent. But ultimately, that play was was absolutely incredible. You know, James Harden doing his thing. Joe Harris hitting every three inside. Yep. Lamarcus Aldridge and Kevin Durant just not missing from the mid range like it's nineties basketball, old school New Jersey style. Uh, there were highlights of plenty, and it's a, a game that we'll probably be rewatching in the off season. Might have to pull up some of those rewatches to get the periscope going if uh, that thing's even working anymore. Yeah, and I think another thing about this, Jack, that makes it memorable, it seems like this could be a game that kind of kicks off something for the Nets. Not to say they're going to go on some 20-game winning streak. They obviously could, but it just feels like things are starting to click. Like you mentioned, James Harden kind of feeling his flow out. Joe Harris starting to knock down shots. Guys starting to get comfortable with their teammates. You know, Steve Nash having at least some type of idea what to do with the rotation. Obviously, there's a couple lineups we probably don't love out there, but still, you're seeing guys gel and understand like what they can do and how they can be utilized with the other teammates on the floor. So, I think I think this could definitely be a major building block for the Nets to play the type of basketball we want them to play the rest of the regular season and moving into the postseason. No doubt, you know, and the, to figure it out early on uh, is a, is a really really good 
these are smart guys, Nick. And, you know, James yep. Harden, I think, you know, we've spoken about, you know, in previous iterations of the Buzz, previous episodes about, you know, it's going to be come down to, you know, James Harden playing some of his best, best basketball and how that opens up, you know, opportunities for his teammates. And, you know, he's back to that sort of level. And I think that, you know, those seven assists in the first quarter was a real key indicator to be like, cool. Even the opening basket, which is, you know, just the, the, the patented, you know, Bruce Brown slip on the screen for a, yep. a layup or dunk. I can't remember, but it was a, a basket. And, you know, just uh, it, it was really positive signs. Of the tone was set. Uh, and to play as well as we did. And I think that third quarter as well, Nick, was outstanding. 34 to 20. There was like a, I think the Nets had like a 16-point advantage or something like that at the end of the third. He went on a 9-0 run himself, I think, in that quarter. <laughs> it was, it, I think... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This might be coming. Uh, let's talk about KD. Now. You know, thirty-two points for him tonight. Thirteen twenty from the field, two or six from three, four or six from the free throw line, seven boards, five assists, a steal, a block, locked in in every way and, and fashion. We've probably spoken about you know and touched on a little bit Kevin Durant going not cold. It's just he didn't have the basketball in his hands and in certain quarters and the the rhythm wasn't going his sort of way and the ball wasn't you know being dumped to him in the post and such. Was this Kevin Durant's best game of the season so far? Yeah, I think from a scoring perspective, it's pretty high up there. I mean, even opening night against the Bucks, he did drop 32. He dropped 38 in the loss to Charlotte. 
Actually, I don't know. The loss to Charlotte, he might have been his best game, but we're always going to lean to the win. You know what I mean? And I think defensively, there was a couple times where maybe he overhelped, but then there's other times where he helped perfectly, ended up getting the block, forcing some of the steals. I think his length was impactful defensively in that third quarter as well, you know, kind of creating some of those transition buckets, had some co- timely boards. So definitely, you know, arguably his best game of the season so far. He's playing MVP level basketball. And if you're not, you don't have him as one, one A, one B in that conversation after watching tonight's game, uh, then you've got your head in the sand. You're a goddamn ostrich. I don't know what <laughs> game, what game or what sport you're watching because him just hitting shot after shot after shot. You know, I'll, the shots that he did miss were were long, and it was I think one or two short ones. But it was him missing. You know, DeAndre Hunter was awesome tonight, especially offensively, and you know he showed some good physicality on. On a Kevin Durant, probably as good as like a PJ Tucker. I think he's just a bit more athletic, obviously, in his youth and heading into his prime. But yeah, I there was Hunter did a really good job, and that's saying something, Nick. Despite the fact that you can have a really good defender play really good defense, and Kevin Durant still shoots sixty-five percent from the field. Look, he is an absolute weapon in so many different ways. And I was doing a little bit of research before the game, just on some different stats about. You know, some of his mid-range shooting, some of Lamarcus's mid-range shooting, you know, some of the isolation numbers that him and James Harden have had. And they were, like, literally shocking. Like, I, I just couldn't believe it when I saw... Uh, this was Playboy Claxton who put it on Twitter yesterday or a day ago. Lamarcus Aldridge, in terms of via basketball news, if you had a minimum of 20 attempts from the mid-range, Lamarcus Aldridge is 77.3% before tonight's game from the mid-range. I told you it was 100. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kevin Durant, second in that department with a paltry 63.4% himself. In terms of isolation numbers, Nick, Kevin Durant is averaging 1.37 points per possession on isolation. Now, if we translate that to an offensive rating, that would be 137 offensive rating. James Harden not doing too badly himself either with 1.26. So the fact that we could see this balance and increased team play on the offensive end just puts the Nets in such a good position because you have to have a good half-court offense for the postseason. We've got Kevin Durant, we've got James Harden, hopefully Kyrie Irving by that time. But to just get the reps and get the consistency, get the cohesion for everyone else, whether that's a LaMarcus Aldridge, whether that's a Joe Harris, whether that's a Bruce Brown, DeAndre Bembry, Paul Millsap, Patty Mills, the Nets, I think there's just some underrated things that are happening for them, Nick. And the offense was probably an area where we were probably more worried about. Um, obviously, I think they're like in the bottom third or the bottom half at the very least. Uh, after tonight's performance, they're going to be going up in those rankings after tonight's good win and, and probably some other good wins uh, heading into a nice stretch of opponents. Yeah, Jack, I think you're right. I think just the guys are starting to find their rhythm and feel more comfortable. Obviously, it's a good shooting night, so the offense is always going to pop a little bit more. But I think guys are just starting to feel more comfortable, like I mentioned before. And like you talked about, you know, James Harden, when he's playing well and doing his job as a point guard and getting in the paint and setting guys up, things just become a lot easier for everybody on the floor. And that includes Kevin Durant. His life isn't as difficult. You know, there's still times where he's leading the unit when James Harden's on the bench, but it's definitely easier for him if Harden's out there creating a little bit as well. So, you know, good things happen when your best players are playing well. It's as simple as that. And and I think because of the the nature of the way that James Harden and Kevin Durant, the way that they play at their best, because if Kevin Durant's so on on his shot, the gravity that he draws with that. James Harden, when he's driving the basketball and his handle looks good and he's he's limiting those turnovers, then the gravity that he draws, it yep. just opens up the perimeter and everything. So uh, it's just... 
awesome to see, and this is what we hoped for them um, and what we expected from them. We had pretty high expectations of, of you know, two of the five, ten best players in the league, whatever you want to put them. Uh, but they're now starting to hit their strides. They're playing well on both ends of the floor. And James Harden looked good defensively tonight as well, Nick. Yeah, he definitely turned it up the last four minutes. I mean, he was solid throughout the game, but I thought in the last four minutes after the Trey Young block, I love that James Harden does this thing where he makes a good defensive play and he doesn't celebrate, acts like he does it all the time. It's like, nah, James, this is rare. If you're talking about a step back three, you don't have to celebrate. We know you do that, but you don't block shots on a regular basis. But I like the energy. He definitely turned it up. And I thought, you know, a nice takeaway from this game, both you and I pointed out on Twitter, Nice to see James Harden knock down two catch-and-shoot threes. And you mentioned the gravity. If he can create a little bit of off-ball gravity, now all of a sudden it kind of opens up things more for the offense. Not to say that he doesn't get in already, but if he's knocking that down consistently, it's going to become even tougher to come off of him, or you're going to have to close out a little bit harder. And James Harden obviously can deal with the closeout, get in the paint, and then even set more things up offensively. Yeah, I think the best thing about his offense right now, Nick, is that three ball. It is looking yep. really crispy, really on. And the fact that the, the catch and shoot, two of them tonight, I can't remember the last time he took two of them in a game, let alone hit them. Um, I don't know if he's was, ever hit two catch and shoot threes on the Nets, to be honest. <laughs> Look, I, I don't think he has either, to be fair. But the, the fact that he was 5'11 from there, 16 points overall, 11 assists, four boards, had a steal and a block, like you mentioned on Trey Young. Uh, you, you can just tell that you know he's feeling it, and you know once he starts to get that little bit of agility, lateral quickness back, the dexterity around the rim, the strength around the rim is going to increase too, um, and he's going to turn into that three-level dominant force that we know he can be. My favorite defensive position, and maybe one of my favorite plays from James Harden tonight, Nick, was the Nets had a turnover or a miss. And it was James Harden versus Bogdanovich in a one-on-one transition possession. And James Harden forced to miss. I'm just like, James Harden is normally one of the worst transition defenders in the league. And this is me being objective. No, He's just a straight either. He's just a swiper. One swipe. Yeah, but he just showed really good positioning. And then he got that support for for the other guys to get there down there and help him on the board. So uh, you could just tell that there was a... A really, a real engagement from from James Harden and the way that he led the team. I know Lucas Kaplan put out a, a little bit of a video of, of James Harden being all hyped up and Bruce Brown just just smiling at it. Now, James James Harden getting hyped up is awesome because it, it makes for great gifts and great memes, uh, makes for great saliva getting all stuck in that juicy beard. I uh, goddamn love it. I mean, it gets the team hyped up, too. But talking about that possession, Jack, I think the thing with James Harden is when he actually plays defense like he did there and moves his body and uses, you know, his strength, he's a solid defender. It's when he does that one swipe stuff, you know, on the fast break instead of just actually kind of putting the effort in. So if he plays like that defensively, it's huge. But I wouldn't necessarily anticipate it, you know, the rest of the season until the playoffs. But overall, uh, James Harden, too, just seems to have a little bit more energy out there. And I think, like you mentioned, not only like physically on the floor, but even celebrating. And I think that just is good vibes for your teammates. Yeah, I think statistically people are going to look at 5 or 14 from the field, only four boards. And they're going to look at it and go, oh, this wasn't that good of a James Harden game. But it was a really good James Harden game. And it just shows you that he can impact the game more than just, you know, a, a dominant scorer. Yes, it'll be nice to see some of those 30, 40 point games. But, you know, he only got to the free throw line. And I think that in comparison to some of the previous games, we had like 18, 19 free throws. You know, he was driving to score, whereas he was driving to pass tonight. Um, and it's not that he wasn't taking the shots. It's just that the everyone was collapsing. And it was the right exactly. decision to make those kickout passes. So uh, he's, he just read the game uh, and led the game uh, in, in many ways and fashions tonight for the Nets. Um, awesome performance from him. And I think... 
the Hawks did a nice job in the way they played him in the first half and even throughout the game and Harden kind of adjusted. Like there was essentially two guys waiting for him because they weren't really respecting Blake Griffin and Bruce Brown was kind of floating around in that dunker spot. You know what I mean? So now instead of just having one guy to beat or one guy to drop it off to, it's kind of two. So he has to make that kick out to the wing or to the corner, whatever it is. So thought he played it really well. And that's potentially an issue I think you could look at with the starting lineup right now until Blake starts to knock down threes a little bit more consistently. Is it creating too much like paint clog right now where if you get in there, it's just a problem? Yeah, and look, and Blake's going to stay out there. He's going to take them. You know, he yep. took seven of them tonight and, and only hit two of them. You know, I, I think all the sh- all the shots that end in a Blake Griffin three are bad offense, at least at this point in time, you know, given the, the nature of him not hitting those shots. But he also had five assists. So when yep. those, when they turned into an extra passes and, you know, swing, swing action and forced the defense to scramble, whether it's a, an extra kick to, to Kevin Randall or an extra kick to, to Joe Harris, um, that's when it looks nice. So, yep. look, it's a, it's a fine act because I think that if you had told me in the first half whether, you know, I want to see Blake Griffin out there for extended periods, I would have been like, God, no, he has been awful. Um, but he finished the night with, you know, a relatively effective. Look, it's a, I, I said to you off wax that it was bipolar because there was a, some good moments that were probably unexpected, but there were also some god-awful moments. You know, he obviously doesn't have that pop, you know, in terms of his athleticism, but he takes charges as well. So that's sort of like a, a weird added wrinkle to the Nets defense. A weird game from, from Blake Griffin, but overall when the Nets were going on some of their runs, Blake Griffin was a part of that. Uh, in some of his, you know, connective play. And even, uh, I really like the the backdoor pass off the cut to uh, Kevin Durant for one of his uh, assists and, and one of Kevin Durant's buckets. So there was some moments of Blake Griffin tonight. I can't hate it totally, uh, but I don't love it fully either. Yeah, I just have one more note on James Harden before I talk about Blake Griffin. I love this new thing we're seeing between James Harden and Kevin Durant where he's looking for him on the oops. You know, just a quick pass when they're kind of, you know, face guarding him essentially. And then KD is getting an easy bucket or getting to the free throw line. That's a nice little wrinkle between them two. But getting to Blake Griffin, like you said, Jack, just a very mixed bag performance. You know, probably more negative than positive. But there were just some big momentum plays. You know, those charges were huge, especially during that run. Obviously, I know you probably loved it when he put on the work boots and the hard hat. You know, Patty Mills impersonation. (laughs) That was pretty awesome. Um, But Blake just brings some really good energy. It's just... The three-point shooting needs to do something. And I think also he's so reluctant at times to drive in the paint. Like, there'll be times where he has a direct line to the rim where he could probably, like, get a free throw or get a dunk. But he's just not that aggressive in terms of driving the paint anymore. And I think sometimes that really hurts him. Not that, not that I expect him to, you know, turn back to clock or anything. But eventually you're going to have to take advantage of these wide-open rim shots. Yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see how you know how this performance impacts Blake Griffin's form. I know Steve Nash said before the game, he's a vet working his way into some form. Hopefully that is the case because a lot of people were overreacting to some of Joe Harris' performance this year, but he bounced back in, in a massive way with probably his best game of the year, Nick. And, easily. You know, uh, easily his best game of the year. So 6-10 from the field, all of those three. So 6-8 of eight from there, six boards, two steals, a block. Uh, a, a really great two-way performance for Joey Buckets and Look, my body was doing a lot of things tonight, Nick, that I didn't know it could do. But, you know, that Joe Harris little bit of zip and zippity doodah was back in a big way. 
Yeah, you know, Joe's trying to win you back, get that heart back. Uh, but uh, I really love the way Joe Harris played. You know, like you mentioned, 18 points, good defense, 6 of 8 from 3. Just looking a lot, like, I felt like every Joe Harris 3 was going in this game. Just right off rip, like, the way that he was shooting with confidence, it definitely just could be a game changer for him, and maybe he's out of that little slump he was in. And, you know, not great in terms of the two-point shooting, but I didn't think there was really any terrible, you know, takes or shots there. But defensively, just really physical, did a great job of fighting over screens, applying pressure on Trey Young from the backside when he got caught on the screen, and then also just fighting with John Collins in the post. You know, I, I think I messaged you on Twitter when he had that steal down there. That's just something you love to see. Like, he's outpounded and he's outmuscled by John Collins, but he's still fighting and making plays. So credit to Joe for just really turning it up and playing to the caliber we expect him to play. Absolutely. And funnily enough, you know, I think he's back up to around that sort of 40% yep. mark. Which is saying something when a lot of people are like, why isn't he in the threes? But it's just like, his three ball's fine. Like, he's going to be, you know, 40% probably minimum, which is elite of the elite. But, you know, can he get back to that 45, 47% mark? That's what you sort of want from him. And funny enough, like yesterday, where, like, you know, they've got those weird Instagram model girls posing, like, what do men want? And I posted Joe Harris 2018-19 form. Literally this morning, you know, Eastern Standard Time, um, and he, he bounces back. Um, so th that's just it's what Joe does you know and I think that the defense was something that I really loved Nick because there was a sense of physicality yep. that he's starting to actually understand where in the earlier points of the season he was over fouling and probably I don't know whether it was being overly aggressive or just being not really smart in, in the yeah. way that he was defending you know Maybe a little opponent. frustration too Partly that as well, but he had some positions to Trey Young, where you know, and he was happy to sort of take them, take him on. You know, obviously Bruce Brown, DeAndre Bentley did the the majority of the work there. Patty Mills a little bit too, but like you mentioned, rebounded the ball well. There was just a, a real sense of purpose. You know, you got that headband on, and he was just like, you know, I ain't missing tonight, and I'm going to make sure that every other guy misses. And you know, really just strong performance from Joe Harris tonight. Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence that we see James Harden start to look himself and Joe Harris starts to find some more open threes out there, you know? And obviously the offense starting to run a little smoother. It's going to help Joe out. He's not a guy that's going to really create for himself, so he's kind of benefiting from some of the offensive looks that other guys are providing him. So just hoping to see this kind of continue for Joe and get that consistent three-point shooting like you mentioned, Jack. Yeah, I mean, when the Nets' second and third best players are playing like the, the way that we know that they can, you know, and this the, the thing is, the, the thing that enthuses me the most about this Joe Harris performance was that it was against a quality opponent. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the times, you know, Joe can have a big game. He had a solid game against the Detroit Pistons the other night. But this was against an Atlanta Hawks team that you know, has some athleticism about them. Um, they're probably not amazing defensively, but, you know, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter... You know, a, a lot of these sort of guys are good defenders. Cam Reddish, but Joe just Clint showed confidence. Yeah, Clint Capella, an awesome rim protector. But Joe just was making the right decision tonight. He's like, okay, I'm going to be the best three-point shooter in the league. Like, I know that I am. I've won the three-point contest. I've led the league in three-point shooting. Uh, and, you know, he hit that first one. And it's, it's weird because it's... We've spoken about the fact that, you know, Joe Harris can hit the first one and then miss the next four. But tonight, you know, he barely missed. You know, he missed, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, two of those shots. So... Great to see Joe Harris bounce back and hopefully he can carry this and it's somewhat of consistency and get some confidence so he's producing like this against teams like the Sixers, the Bucks, the Lakers, the Nuggets, whoever else it might be, that's going to be a contending team this season. 
Yeah, I think he did a nice job. As I felt like it, I can't say if it was the whole game. I wasn't watching it as closely, but majority of the time, you saw a lot of Trey Young on Joe Harris. He looked extremely comfortable shooting over Trey Young on the closeouts. Like it's not that uh, Trey Young was like in his grill or anything, but it just felt like the closeout had no impact on him. So credit to Joe, kind of taking advantage of the opportunity and playing well against a good team. But going to the final starter, we had Bruce Brown, ten points, five of ten from the field, zero of two from three, uh, two rebounds, one assist, two steals, one block, two turnovers. And, I mean, he just constantly hounded Trey Young the entire game. He didn't lock him down, but he did make him work. He did. And, look, he started the Trey Young pretty early, uh, the game quite well. And, and I don't think that a lot of that was Bruce Brown. He did have two early fouls. And I like that Steve Nash stuck with him. Um, yep. And I think that Trey Young made the most of that by continuing to be aggressive and drive to the basket. But Bruce Brown, like we've said time and time again, his physicality is – uh, defining a lot of the Nets' defense. Uh, yeah. he's, he's, he's been a massive leader in that department. And when you have him and DeAndre Bembry, whether it's on the floor together or you're being able to sub them in for each other, you don't lose anything because both of them are just incredibly tenacious and they're just going to fight and fight and fight. Yeah, they might get a foul here or there, but they're going to make you earn it. They're going to make you think that, man, am I going to fight? Am I going to go through and, and try and go and attack one of these guys again? Probably not. And Bruce Brown's going to fight through those screens. John Depp-Bermy's going to fight through those screens. Joe Harris did the same thing. Paddy Mills is obviously slipping and, and really crafting around that rim. And to force Trey Young to have a night where he's only two or six from the fear, uh, from the from three and six to twenty-two from three, he got a couple of little cheap calls here or there. Uh, but he can do that if he's not going to be as effective as he was. Um, so I, I thought that the way that he was defended tonight, you know, the best player, and you know, the Nets have had some problems with him in the past. Uh, I thought was really, really solid. And uh, their size and physicality certainly troubled them. And also just getting just really energetic, you know, and getting out in transition and um, just their defensive tenacity um, is really the reason why the Nets have overachieved on that end of the floor this season. Yeah, I think if you look at the starting lineup, there's just a lot of physicality. You know, you look at James Harden, you look at Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, KD doesn't mind roughing it up a little bit. And now we're kind of starting to see Joe Harris kind of bang around a little bit. So definitely something that can kind of spark the defense. And like you said, he made Trey Young think because there was a couple times he, I think he got a piece or close to a piece of the floater. And now Trey Young missed a couple of those later on in the game because Bruce Brown is trailing. And just a, a lot of credit because that's just essentially pure hustle. When you're fighting to get back in the play over the screen, a lot of great stuff from Bruce Brown and DeAndre Bembray defensively. Uh, absolutely, and it couldn't speak highly enough of it. But uh, I guess let's talk about DeAndre Bembray, who looks like he's earning his rotation spot. You know, eight points, two of four from the field, one of two from three, three of four from the free throw line, one rebound, one steal. You know, just kind of creates a little bit of chaos out there. Just a lot of, like, energy. It's just, like, it, sometimes it almost feels like the opposing team just, like, always throws the ball in his direction and it ends up in a steal. And I think that one thing I love about him is just his aggression. You know, yep. he's, in, whether it's, he just has reckless abandon when he's out there on the floor. You know, chaos is probably a good reason. But control chaos. It's not chaos without purpose. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds weird just talking about, you know, the nature of chaos. That <laughs> It's almost poetic the way that we're discussing the way that this guy plays. And he's your boy, Nick. You know, you're getting added on Twitter about, you know, the, the love <laughs> that you got. It's on film. You know, Mike James was your boy last year. You're DeAndre Bembry this season. And uh, I think that you would much rather have him in your department. Yeah, eight points plus 18 tonight. 
Hart led the team in that department, was a real big part of the, a lot of the Nets sort of mini runs, whether it was 7 0 runs or 10 0, 12 0 runs, uh, 2 4 from the field, got to the line four times because, again, he just attacks, he attacks, attacks, attacks. And, you know, against uh, one of his former teams, the Atlanta Hawks, and, you know, he got a, a little bit of a foul here and there. But I love that he's like, he's barking at the officials. And the, the, yeah. the Nets have just been a bit more feisty, they're a bit more a holes. Um, and I think that. Jondre Bembry is a part of that. And it's good to see that, you know, Steve Nash has the confidence in him to, to throw him out there. Um, and the defense to offense uh, is fueled by a lot of what he does. Yeah, I think especially when you have some of those, like, quote-unquote defensive-minded units or no superstars, you're depending on, you know, a couple turnovers so you can get transition buckets. And it feels like every transition opportunity, DeAndre Bembry is part of it. Like, he's constantly running and always trying to get into play, even if it's trailing sometimes and, you know, has some nice cuts. There was that one play where Harden threw him a great pass. You just wish he caught it cleanly and threw down the dunk. But other than that, I mean, just a lot of fun stuff. I think the only concern I have with some of the minutes we saw is, like, there was a I think Bembre and Brown were both on the floor together at one point, and that that's a little bit rough spacing-wise. It's just kind of asking the other guys to do a little bit too much. But overall, like you said, kind of swapping them in and out until you know maybe Kyrie's back and you could get enough offensive pop without other guys on the floor, then I think that's the right way to go. Definitely, and and he hit one of those threes as well. Yeah. I think there was a Patty Mills in transition, and it splashed. So yeah. I don't. I I think that you know him seeing him, and obviously Bruce Brown missed both of his tonight. But you know, keep the defense honest, and you're going to get confidence from seeing the ball go through the hoop. And if you're going to keep playing the the amount of defense and the amount of intensity on that end of the floor, you deserve to t- to take and even if yep. you miss a couple of them, because I'd rather sometimes Bruce um, him take them in transition because it's. Those def- the nature of those threes that him and Bruce Brown do take can be deflating to an opposing, opposing offense. So um, he was awesome tonight. I absolutely love what DeAndre Bambry brings. And you, know, you might even jack up those minutes in, um, in, in general, Nick, you know, from 15 to sort of, you know, you give those six minutes that Javon Carter had uh, to DeAndre Bambry, so, you know, solidify the rotation, close it down a little bit and just sort of miss and match, like you sort of said with, with Brown and Bambry, because the way that, the way that the Nets play def- have been playing defense this year in terms of you know less switching, fighting through screens, it just it's the reason and, and having you know Blake or L- LA in the drop, it's because the the nature of the way that Bruce Brown and DeAndre Bembry play. You know Joe Harris is obviously good at fighting through screens and has been better at that as is Paddy Mills. So uh, I think that they're starting to figure out Steve Nash and the coaching department what works for them. DeAndre Bembry in a lot of lineups just works. Yeah, I think, and he has some sneaky hops. Like, obviously, we saw the oop in the previous game, but there was that one play where he just got up for the board. He didn't finish the putback, but it was just like, damn, like, he can really get up. And we mentioned before how fast he is, but you mentioned LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, another solid performance from him. 10 points, 4 of 8 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks. We were asking for the threes, Jack, and we got him. You were asking for them specifically, Nick. We're going to have to send him one of those Brooklyn Buzz t-shirts or hoodie or, or sticker, whatever you want, okay. LA. We'll send you all of them, mate, if you're going to keep listening to the show like you clearly did. Um, there was, a, I think we spoke about it a little bit, and we might as well touch on it again, but it was just like him, KD, him, KD, KD, yeah. him. And then you know, LA to, to Patty Mills, you know, their connection is absolutely awesome to watch. And I might repeat it a, a lot on this buzz, but I don't give a shit because it's absolutely awesome to see them, you know, play basketball together and just the understanding that they have for each other, you know, handoffs, drives, finding each other in the pick and roll. Uh, he was, when, the, when you want some offense, Nick, you, you just put the ball in LA's hands 
Um, and the fact that, you know, he's now starting to take this three ball and hit it 50% from there tonight, you know, had a couple of assists too, and there were a couple of non-made assistant turnovers off some dimes from him where it's just like, you could see, you know, when the Nets were getting back and, you know, the Yes Network cams were on him, you know, it, it, he he was smiling and Paddy Mills was smiling. You can just tell that tonight they had a, a lot of fun. Yep. And I think a lot of credit goes to those two blocks as well, Nick, because I think one of them was a, on a Trey Young drive. Yep. And he can't get up a lot, but he's just got you know moments which is like oh, okay, you got a few in you, LA. You you just you know, save it like the, you know LeBron James does for final quarter performances against twenty year old teams like the Houston Rockets. <laughs> no, the one block he had on Trey Young, he blocked the shot and then he swatted it again to keep it in bounds, which is really hard to do. And I think like yeah, he doesn't have a ton of athletic pop, but he's still really tall. You know, six eleven, seven foot around that. You know what I mean? So like. He can still kind of sneak up to you, especially a guy like Trey Young, who's not necessarily, you know, an athletic superstar or anything like that. So LA's just been really good in terms of like just better than you could have asked for for a guy coming out of retirement, dealing with what he had to deal with last year, and even just at his age, playing at this level. Like he's moving very well for his size right now. Straight cash. Straight cash <laughs> from LA. Really has been. Um Paul Millsap, we got to see only for 12 minutes, two points, one to three from the field, oh, one from three, four rebounds, one assist, uh, one steal. You know, it just feels like Paul Millsap, it's like we want a little bit more of him and we just want to see him in maybe a, a lineup that utilizes him a little bit better. Not to say that the lineups he's been in are terrible, but they're not the best. That one assist, Nick, was maybe the was assist like three the <laughs> That was absolutely insane where he, he spins towards the basket I don't know how he knew that Paddy Mills was there on the perimeter. I don't think he did. I just think he knew it and knows that, okay, there might be someone Someone's here. <laughs> and Paddy Mills hits the shot, makes the highlight play. Uh, absolutely incredible. And, you know, the four rebounds as well. I just think that there's a lot of – we speak about it all the time that, you know, we want to see the way that Blake Griffin gets, you know, one-man big lineups. You know, Millsap and Aldridge you know, works uh, enough because both of them are just really smart players – really strong, really physical. Um, and they, you know, between them, they had a couple of dimes each. Um, they just know how to move the ball. They're boxing out well. Um, yeah, there's just, we're, we're getting a taste of it. We're getting the moose bouche of it. It's like, you know, you you want the full pizza pie as the, yep. I don't really say pizza pie. I don't know why I'm saying, you want the whole, you want the whole eight slices in the large pizza. You don't just want, you know, you, you, to get the smaller, just to get one slice. You want the whole thing. You want a bit of pepperoni on top. You want the chili oil. You want a bit of Parmesan. Um, but we're getting a little bit, um, but I'm hungry for more. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Jack. It's just like, it's almost like you're getting a little sample size instead of like that full size meal. So if we could just see him maybe, a little bit more and just some better lineups that were fun. Like obviously Blake gets rest maybe or something like that, or just kind of playing him with the starters or even, you know, Kevin Durant and James Harden a little bit more to just see what he can do. I think we'll have a better idea of him and his play, but overall he's moving pretty well on the floor. And I think a different thing that he provides that Blake doesn't really provide is he's willing to put the ball on the floor and drive to the rim. You know, he had the spin move, which he almost finished, but then he also had the play through contact, which he did finish. So that's just something Blake's not really doing a lot of right now and could provide a little bit more rim pressure for the offense. Yeah, that drive where the basket that it did make, like you alluded to, Nick, you know, he got up the biceps there. He's looking good. And he's only going to keep looking better if he keeps getting minutes. And finally, last guy, Javon Carter, six minutes. 
Have we spoken about Patty Mills, Nick? You oh, are, no, are no, you, we got to speak. Are you kidding me? Are you goddamn yeah, kidding me? I think me? you found a way to you found a way to mention him for every single other player. So I thought we talked about him. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Let well, me... no, let's do Javon Carter and say Patty Mills for last. So we we finished on a high note. Okay, you, you go for it with Javon Carter because I don't really have a lot to say. Yeah, I mean it was six minutes, oh one from the field, uh, four rebounds, two assists. And had that really bad turnover in the corner. Uh, that that was really rough. I mean, overall though, like six minutes of like a lot of, I just want to say filler minutes. It wasn't like extremely terrible or anything. He wasn't good, obviously, but it was just kind of filler minutes of six minutes. And the one turnover really is the only thing that truly sticks out. Yeah, and I think that it was the right decision by Steve Nash to take him out. You know, yeah. and I think that to actually see that and and not see him persevere, you know, through the fact that you know. Javon Carter wasn't great, um, was good to see. And, you know, look, he was plus 10. He was out there in the right lineups where we did see the Nets uh, get some nice momentum. The fact that he can He plays with good energy. Yeah, he, and I think that the, the, the whole cohesion was there. But, Nick, come on, mate. Patty Mills, please. Wait, Jack, before we get to Patty Mills, when, like, how soon do you think, like, until we possibly see maybe Cam Thomas get a shot at some of Javon Carter's minutes? Or do you think Cam's just too much of the quote-unquote rookie right now? I think that Steve Nash doesn't have the confidence in him. As yeah. much as I want to see, you want to see it. Netswell wants to see Killer Cam out there strutting his stuff. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen because I, I just harp back to the comments that were made in the preseason yeah. um, and stuff. And just like he's going to have to earn it. You know, he's a rookie. He's got a heap of talent. All these sort of things. Uh, I think that if you're going to give six minutes to Devon Carter, why not try six minutes with, with Cam Thomas and just um, yank yeah. him if he's bad. Yeah, and, and, and maybe you try it against a Pistons or a Magic or, or one of these sort of teams, be a bit more experimental. Uh, maybe, you know, Paddy Mills has to take a night off or, or or one of the other guys in the rotation. I just think that we have seen little to nothing from Javon Carter, unfortunately. Um, so why not you know, continue the quote-unquote experimenting with a guy that we know has got a heap of talent, Nick? Yeah, and I think you look at it too is like you have the energy and hustle guys in Brown and Bembry and like other guys on this roster, like even Blake to an extent and Paul Millsap. And like, do you really need it from Javon Carter? Probably not. Maybe there are certain situations where you could use it and maybe you'd fit a little bit better if you had, you know, more offensive cohesion on the team or more offensive talent with Kyrie being here. And it's like two of three superstars are always on the floor. It's easy to kind of hide someone who's a you know, a net negative offensively because the thing with Carter is like, he's a solid catch and shoot three point shooter. But when he tries to create, it's just really a lot of nothing. But finally, Patty Mills time, best home game for Patty Mills so far, right? 14 points, Uh, five, five and nine from the field, four, seven from three, three rebounds, six assists, had a a really just good spark. Like, I don't know. No, I've obviously only watched Patty Mills close, extremely closely for a couple games, but I can just kind of tell when there's different levels of like spark to him. And tonight was one of those games. It really was. And look, I, I, I wanted to jump in and interrupt you for, for most of this part as you were sort of introducing him because I don't think you're giving the credit that he deserves putting him in. You know, if we were on like some TV show, Nick, and we got Paddy Mills in like the D block, uh, then I don't know. I'm going to have to speak to a goddamn producer about it, which is you, funnily enough. <laughs> uh, but in saying that, both all elements of Paddy Mills' game were on tonight. Yep. He had a, a, a long pull-up too. His three ball was, was absolutely cash money. The assists were on. Uh, it was a really complete performance, and he was plus 17 on the night. You know, he led the the energy and transition, you know, the, the fast break and stuff. I think that a lot of that was Patty Mills playing with a bit of extra pace when James Harden wasn't out there. Um, a, a truly complete performance from, from Patty Mills tonight. Um, and, look, 
if LaMarcus Aldridge isn't sixth man of the year, then it better be goddamn the Aussie sensation because uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, people tagging me about Joe Harris, Paddy Mills, all these sort of guys. Um, I'm loving it all. You know, hit me up. Uh, I, I love every single minute of it. And you know, there was some great photos as well from the Brooklyn yep. Nets social media department, which I've saved already. And <laughs> look, I don't know if I want to replace it uh, with the Kevin Durant and, and Paddy Mills at the Olympics one, uh, but it's certainly maybe have going to be in the background because – uh, he was awesome tonight, and you could just tell that he wanted it, and he he was feeling that energy, um, and and he was you know setting the tone in a lot of different ways. Uh, we spoke about his connection with Lamarcus Aldridge. That handoff to Kevin Durant was just insane yep. and incredible. Um, Paddy Mills, man, what a guy. Yeah, and I think, like you said, Jack, this was kind of his most complete game because I felt like there was just more overall offensive production. Obviously, we had the first game against the Bucks where he just straight lit it up from three-point land, but you saw the mid-range shot. You saw the six assists. You saw constant movement, and even just, I thought, maybe a little bit more ball handling this game, too. And I think that's something the Nets need. They need probably him to create probably more than they anticipated going the season with Kyrie being out. And Patty Mills is stepping up. And like you said, you know, two guys that really provided for the Nets have been Mills and LaMarcus Aldridge off the bench. And they've been huge for this team. And it feels like at different points, like tonight, it just felt like both those guys came in and it just gave the team a jump. And that's sometimes what you need. You know, starters can hold things over, keep it close. And then your bench shooter can come in and either give you the lead or extend your lead. Yeah, I mean, in terms of when you're talking about you know the postseason, you've got like a seven, eight-man rotation. Yep. You've got your starting five, and maybe you sub out Blake for Lamarcus Aldridge, or you give you know, you swap the minutes around where Blake had 31. I think Lamarcus had 17 tonight, and you got Patty Mills. There's seven guys already. You know, you're throwing Bembry for certain lineups, um, and, and hopefully by that point you you get Kyrie Irving in there too. The depth is starting to show a little bit more, and hopefully Clax comes back and we get to see him at his peak and and make Steve Nash uh, force him into some tough decisions. So, uh, really positive signs tonight, Nick. And you know, Paddy Mills just—it's it, rare that he does bad things. You know, he might miss some shots every now and then, but he makes up for it by just the, what he just gives you out on the floor um, in so many other different facets. Yeah, I really like the possession where he got the shot at the rim. He missed a layup, but it, like the way he came down with such quickness, it just kind of puts a little bit more pressure if he hits that. Now you have to think about it next time when you're trying to play him off that three-point line. Really, uh, this is from Alex Schiffening. I wanted to bring it up on the show. Uh, we did see Kyle Kov uh, at the game tonight. We also saw him at practice recently. Um, obviously, you know his consulting coach um, role was spoken about on, on previous he episodes. He signed a 10-day? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that might, we might have needed if Joe kept missing, but Joe, funnily enough, did speak with Kyle Korver. This is from Alex Schiffer. Joe Harris spoke with Kyle Korver earlier today with the topic being where the easiest shots come from. His answer, being a screener. That's... Look, I'm not saying that Kyle Korver is a Joe Harris whisperer, but Kyle Korver is what Joe Harris can be. You know, yeah. a 10-year, 15-year guy where you could just be absolutely 42 43% for years and years on end. And to have that level of consistency and to have that voice to speak to, it's it's no better. There's no better person, pretty much. Yeah, I think that's a great point from Kyle Korver, like you said, Jack, and a great point in terms of who uh, who Joe Harris can be. But it makes a lot of sense because now you're putting almost double pressure on you know the defensive team, especially if you're screening for Kevin Durant or you're screening or for Patty Mills. There was one play in this game that really stuck out too, of like Joe and Patty kind of playing off each other. You know, James Harden got hit with like the double team, threw it to Patty Mills, got closed out pretty hard. He hit Joe Harris in the corner. So it's just like these different things that kind of lead to these opportunities. But I think Kyle Korver and Joe Harris's ear is 
as ideal as they can be. You know what I mean? Like how many other shooters like Ray Allen would be another guy that you would want over him and, and Steph and Clay are still in the league. So exactly. Uh, one of the stat I wanted to touch on that we talked about, you know, getting an transition, those fast break points, the Nets, while they had two more turnovers, 16 to 14, they capitalized on their turnovers, scoring 26 points off the Hawks, 14 turnovers compared to 17 for Atlanta. Normally, you know, that's not the Nets. It's the, the other way around. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned at points that the transition day wasn't necessarily on, but their transition offense was awesome. Yeah, and I think credit to a lot of the hustle guys and running the lanes and filling the lanes and creating, you know, mismatches or advantages. You know, there's a couple times where they're just out hustle them and got the four on three. And that's credit to Bembre and uh, Bruce Brown. Like both guys just running really hard. And even other guys on the team like Joe Harris trying to run to the corners. We know Patty Mills does it every time he can. So it's just like those opportunities create some easy offense. And I even thought in this game from the start, the Nets had pretty good pace and they create a lot of like semi-transition mismatches. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I think another thing, we touched on that at the start, but despite the fact that Kevin Wright went 2 of 6 and 3 and Blake Griffin went 2 of 7, Bruce Brown 0 of 2, Millsap 0 of 1, the Nets still shot nearly 46% from the perimeter on 48 attempts. We haven't seen yeah. that much, that many attempts yet, Nick. And I think that a lot of that was a product of James Harden's driving and kicking out yep. as well. Um, but it seems to me that this was a more traditional game that you want to see from the, the Nets offense. And I, we spoke about the assist numbers I, I put out. I mean, it was yesterday or the day before, you know, the Nets assist numbers in wins and losses. And this season where it's been 20 plus assists other than one game, they've won. They've won. It's as simple as that. And, you know, I, I wanted to reflect on last season, but I'm pretty sure where the Nets have been 25 plus assists uh, on regular occasions, it's rare that they lose. Um, obviously, you can't necessarily get the nights that you, you probably had tonight in, in the postseason. But this is where you just develop identity, develop confidence um, in a lot of different fashions. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Jack, because I think there was a game that they recently played and they only produced like 25 three-point attempts. Yeah. So it's just like getting back to 48 and being that high-octane offense is kind of what we anticipated going to the season. And I think that's why some of the early-on games were a surprise, just because they weren't generating these looks. But like you also alluded to, a lot of these looks are created by James Harden starting the momentum of the offense and that turning into just passes around the perimeter and guys getting open shots and looks that they can hit. Definitely. So positive signs, Nick. I um, wanted to touch on a little bit the Kyrie Irving news. And yep. um, we heard from Woj tonight, obviously, Eric Adams, the new New York City mayor who will head into office, I think, on January 1st. And, you know, apparently Woj was sort of saying on NBA countdown or in the pregame or whatever, that there's growing confidence that, you know, the, the rules could change, those mandates could change. Um, which would be positive for the Nets. You know, hopefully it's earlier and Kyrie gets the vaccine. Either way, you know, hopefully that's a, a good thing for the Nets overall. Um, any thoughts on that, um, that for you, mate? Yeah, I think it's just kind of wait and see. You know, um, if if he can play, that's great. But like you said, it'd be more ideal if he did get the vaccine because it also creates like other elements for the team to have to worry about when they travel and different things like that. And obviously he's more likely to get it and some pass it to somebody else. But, you know, if he can play, that'd be ideal. I think we'd be looking probably like February or March. I doubt he like takes over as mayor and then instantly he's just like, you know, bye to this mandate. It's just going to be some type of adjustment and things. And there's obviously going to be debates and stuff about it. So, I mean, it'd be really great because Kyrie Irving is an amazing basketball player. And him on this team, especially the offense starting to click, like he's only going to add to that. He's one of the most gifted scorers probably in NBA history. He's that good of a player. So I do miss watching him play, but obviously it's his decision. 
yeah, hopefully whatever happens, it's it's a benefit for, for him and a benefit for the Nets overall. Yep. Uh, also wanted to shout out James Harden and, and some of his philanthropic work, Nick. Um, he was, uh, I think it was like painting some playgrounds and going yeah. to some schools out in Harlem. That was really nice and really cool to see from James, you know, getting himself involved in the community. Um, he looks actually like happy too. Like you see guys sometimes doing like charity work and it just looks like they're there. Like James looks like he's truly enjoying himself. Yeah, I think James James Harden's personality is something that can really shine through. And you can just imagine if you're some of those kids or even their parents and uh, or, or whoever that, you know, they're going to have, you know, those those memories to go back with. You know, I, I was there with James Harden. James Harden gave me a high five. James Harden had a conversation with me. So um, he's really endearing himself to not only Nets fans, but the, the city overall. And uh, lucky to have him. Uh, we've got a good bunch of guys in this roster, Nick. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, that's always important. What you do on the court is amazing, but what you do off the court is even a bigger deal and can impact a ton of lives. But, Jack, talking about off-the-court stuff, we did a little giveaway to kick off our Brooklyn Buzz merch, which you can find in the description underneath this podcast or you know, go to Jack or I's Twitter. But, Jack, who is the winner for our giveaway? We got our guy, Nick C's daddy. Free shirt. Always been a... Free shirt for you, my guy. Hit us up in the DMs. We'll contact you as well. We'll do some more giveaways and such. Maybe we might throw a few, out, a few more out to lift up some of those ratings and reviews. We're on the verge of 100. Nick went 99. Hopefully we get there. But congrats to C's Daddy. And thank you to everyone who's already purchased one. Uh, again, T Public, search Brooklyn Buzz Classic or you know hit up the description on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You'll find it there in all of our episodes. We're really grateful. We're really proud of this. And we're hoping to drop a few more in the coming weeks as well, see how these ones go, maybe get some different iterations uh, also. Uh, but it's pretty cool to have this out. Thanks, to everyone, for the support so far, uh, not only on the merch, but just listening to, to the buzz. And uh, We're having fun. And we're popping out merch. We're going to be looking good, feeling good, Nick. Yeah, maybe some throwback New Jersey stuff we could get in there. But, Jack, like you said, thanks to everybody who bought a T-shirt and also all the support we received for the podcast in general. It's really been amazing. Looking to continue and progress throughout the rest of the season. But always a pleasure, Jack, and catch the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.